0: Good morning, Grantham Church. Welcome to Church Online. It is Pentecost Sunday, May 31st, 2020. And we're continuing to worship through the liturgy and the videos provided each week at granthamchurch.org forward slash liturgy. If you're new to Grantham Church and you're joining us online for worship, maybe for the first time, we hope you'll click on the Connect card in the right-hand margin of the liturgy page and take a minute to share some information with us. We'd like to know who you are, how we can connect, and how you'd like to engage with us so that we can better serve you. And please don't let physical distancing stop you from connecting with us. Because as I've been saying here at Grantham, we're not closed as a church. We're just doing church differently during this global pandemic. And if you'd like to see what that means for us, what being and doing church looks like at Grantham during COVID-19, please check out our Staying Connected page. We continue to update this page with resources, ideas, and helpful information to assist you in being the church and keeping to the way of Christ in our current reality. Anyways, whether you're already a member or you're just joining us for the first time, I want to thank you for connecting with our church family. invite you to continue worshiping Jesus with us, having open ears to hear him, open eyes to see him, and open hands to receive and respond to his call on your life. Let's do that together. Before we go to God with the prayers of the people, I just want to remind you that if you're not getting the weekly email from the pastor, which has my letter and underneath that our body life, which includes various things that are, we're doing and that are upcoming, I want to encourage you to contact the church office so that you're, you're getting that. Uh, you'll notice this past week, and we'll run it maybe the next couple of weeks, that there is a summer learning community. Actually, two summer learning communities that you can be a part of here at Grantham via Zoom. So if you're interested in that, check it check it out and, and invite you to be a part of that. The other thing is that we're continuing to do the midday prayer. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on Facebook Live, we do a prayer time from noon to about 10 after, 15 after Uh, where we uh, are practicing some regular prayer rhythms, reading Scripture together, and I usually share a brief, encouraging, and challenging word for us. Uh, So I encourage you, if you're not doing that, get onto Facebook and join us for Facebook Live every Monday, Wednesday, Friday for Midday Prayer. Well, let's go to God in prayer now, because we have much to take to Him in prayer, our thanksgiving, supplication, requests, and concerns. Let's do that. Father, we want to begin our prayer this morning by expressing our deep sadness, disgust, and even anger over the murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers this past week. We know his death is one of many in America's ongoing story of racism, hatred, and violence against the black bodies which you've created in your image, many of whom are our own brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, we pray that your justice would prevail for George Floyd, for Ahmaud Arbery, for Breonna Taylor, and so many others in recent days who've been targeted because they are black. Lord Jesus, these acts of evil are blows to your own body. May we feel that in our spirit, where your own spirit dwells within us, that we might know the very heart of God and respond out of love and a desire to root out the racism in our society beginning with our own hearts and our own church. We confess our sins of racism and prejudice, and we repent of the ways that we've judged others based on the color of their skin. While our leaders may not do so, as some of them even encourage vitriol, prejudice, and violence, we will, Lord, we will. And so we say to you, God, forgive us for where we've not seen others the way you do, where we've not treated others the way we want to be treated, and where we've been indifferent to the suffering of others, God even making excuses for the evil that is right in front of us. God, forgive us. Lord, hear our prayer of confession and our cries for justice. Church, I just want to invite you now to take a moment and express your heart, your thoughts, your feelings to God about these things. Thank you, church. Lord, despite the evil that is in the world, we know that you are at work through your people, through disciples who are walking your way. And we are thankful for the signs of the kingdom and the acts of love at work in the world, some of which we see in our own congregation. So we first want to thank you for your goodness and acts of love toward us. We thank you, God, that Lona Klamenhaga and Bob Hamilton's surgeries went well and that they are recovering at home bless them with your peace as they heal and return to full health god for micah owen who's doing much better after the resetting of bones in his arms after fall in malawi we thank you that he's getting better for phil and elaine Tuma, who are on a plane headed home to us today we ask for safe travel and we thank you god that they got that flight god we thank you that you how you've moved through our members to give generously during covid 19. We thank you, God, that we're doing okay as a church financially. Lord, we thank you for our graduates who we saw in the video. Bless them in the days ahead. Help them to discern the path forward, especially during these troubling times. And God, we also want to thank you for what you're doing through our congregation during this pandemic, for the ways we're being missional in our community, for Patty Hess and our team of volunteers serving on the mask force. We praise you that now over 864 masks have been provided so far to folks in our church and in our community. Lord, for Julia Johnson and her team of volunteers, we continue to pray for them as they bless the poor, the homeless, recovering addicts, and some of the most vulnerable in our area. Protect them and empower them as they serve you on the front lines. And God, we thank you for the work that you're doing through our financial gifts to our ministry partners, Paxton, Friends Over Fences, New Hope, and Mennonite Central Committee also for all those in our congregation who are doing small things with great love. We thank you for taking our gifts and offerings and multiplying them in your power. Church, now take a brief moment and share what you're thankful for this morning. And God, we this morning we want to ask that you would comfort and give your peace to joanna barnhouse who lost her father this past thursday. Uh, God, we we just ask that your holy spirit would comfort her and her family, be with her in a very real way. We miss joanna, uh, Lord, but we know that you're with her. God for people in our church family, we continue to pray for those who've taken a cut and pay or have been furloughed. We pray for your blessings on Ed Mays and our custodial staff, for Lisa Mays and Jill Stauffer. We also lift up Pam Wheat, Tiffany Burroughs, Glenn Pierce, Doug Curry, Brad Statnick, Lana Flowers, Dale Fogelsinger, and others in and outside of our congregation who are not able to work right now. And some are still waiting on un- unemployment checks. God, we pray they get those soon. We pray for your peace and your provision in their lives and ask that you set their hearts at ease while they wait. We also continue to pray for our widows, widowers, and those who are single. Surround them with your peace, love, and comfort. For those struggling with anxiety and depression, may they have a real sense of your presence. For moms and dads at home, give them the patience to persevere and to rest as they're able. For struggling marriages, we ask for the wisdom and strength to endure and overcome. And God, for our leadership, we pray for our pastors. Help us to lead with confidence and a non-anxious presence. For our church board, help them to lead with a hopeful spirit as they work with the staff in navigating COVID-19 and developing plans for reopening our facilities at some point in the future. And Lord, for our deacons, we pray that our deacons would receive your strength and courage to minister to our congregation and ask that you bless each of our our deacons as they look after those in their care. God, we continue to pray for all of our hospital workers, doctors, nurses, caretakers, and first responders. We pray for the, these folks who are part of our congregation, for Holly Wyacker, Misha Warner, Ange Wanger, Cheryl Wolfe, Linda Pierce, Christina Weber, Kathy Line, Kelly Martin, Erin Brinzer, Rachel Morey, Marnie O'Donnell, and Heidi Curry. God, protect them and empower them. May they know how much they're appreciated for their service. Now, church, who else in our congregation would you like to lift up in prayer? Do that now. God, for our community, we pray specifically for Maasai College, for Kim Phipps, Randy Basinger, Allison Noble, Cynthia Wells, and others in administration. We ask for their rest and for wisdom and discernment for the road ahead as they make big decisions for the college. And we pray for peace for the faculty and students as they await news about the upcoming semester. God, for our area public and private schools, we continue to pray for all of our administrators and teachers, and the children and youth as the school comes to a close. Bless them as they too make difficult decisions and discern next steps for school in the fall. For businesses and workers down the road from Grantham Church, for the food mart down from Rollo Court, for our local Wise and Giant stores, for Zimmerman's, Snavely and Son Automotive, for Turkey Hill, for McDonald's, Jojo's, Pizza Town, for Brothers Pizza, for 10,000 Villages and PNC Bank, we pray your blessings on them. For neighborhoods in Grantham, Oakwood Hills, Bumblebee Hollow, Maasai Village, Ashcombe Farms, and others, we pray your blessings on the people and families there. Church, who else in our community do you want to mention in prayer? Do that now. Jesus, for all those who work in life-sustaining businesses, we thank you, God, for those who who are continuing to make it possible that we have what we need to care for our families. For our scientific community and frontline healthcare workers, we thank you for their vocational call to serve us. We also pray that you would keep them safe and healthy. Lord, for those who are infected with COVID-19, we pray for their healing. We especially pray for Diane Rudy, a children's leader at Dillsburg Brethren in Christ, and a nurse who was working with COVID-19 patients who was recently diagnosed with it herself. We pray for her as she fights the disease and as she's struggling with depression. God heal her mind and, and her body in Jesus' name. Lord, we, bring, we ask you bring an end to this virus for all of our sakes and bring good out of our trials. And finally, Lord, we continue to lift up our, our leaders in government. As Paul said to Timothy, we want to offer up prayers and petitions for them, for the president, for Congress and the Senate, for our governor, all those in civic authority at the federal and the state level, We ask that they they would live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness, that we'd do the same. Despite the brokenness of humanity, of partisan politics, and whatever ulterior motives it might be at work in our leaders, we pray that they would overcome those things in your power and do what is best with the most accurate information they have. In the name of Jesus, we rebuke Satan and the principalities and powers that exploit our weaknesses and turn us against one another. In our country. And in our church, knowing that we battle not against flesh and blood, Lord, we fight in prayer for our leaders. and We vow as your people to chart a third way together, to love, not to hate, to be patient, to be patient, Lord, help us to be patient. Lord, we repent of the ugliness in our own hearts, the slander in our speech, and the many ways that we've only fueled the hysteria in our grief, confusion, frustration, and impatience. Jesus, help your church to separate ourselves from the world and behaviors born of the flesh. Church, for who else in our world do you want to pray for? Pray that out loud to God right now. God, we ask that you receive these prayers and transform us through them, that we may have eyes to see and hearts to understand not only what you do on our behalf, what you call us to do so that your kingdom will come to fruition just as you taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us and lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, if you would grab your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our journey through the book of Acts. Last week, you'll recall that we were in Acts chapter 1 on Ascension Sunday. And we looked at, at the ascension of Jesus and what that means for us. And so this past week, we've been living in between the time of the ascension and the day of Pentecost. These disciples are waiting on the coming gift that Jesus has promised them. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 1 through 13 this morning. And then the next two weeks, we're going to continue to look at Acts chapter 2. So take a little portion at a time. It's worth uh, slowing down and giving some attention to, all right? So you might could think of this as a three-part message on Pentecost, and then we'll keep going through various portions of the book. So let me start by reading Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Luke says this, At that time, they, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages? Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Alamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk. That's all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The book of Acts, I told you last week, uh, the book of Acts was written by Luke. And this is, should be seen as Luke's Gospel, Volume 2. We know that Luke is a physician based on what the scriptures tell us, and that he's an educated guy, and he's highlighting the work of the Spirit and records the story of the first few decades of the early church, ultimately to inspire the church in future generations. Now, The first chapter provides a brief introduction, I said, to the narrative of the Spirit's outpouring, beginning with the disciples' last moments with the resurrected Christ and his ascension. Now in chapter 2 Luke records the day of Pentecost that is the birth of the church through the coming of the Holy Spirit as Jesus promised would happen when he said that in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 wait for the power of the Holy Spirit For Jews who knew their Hebrew scriptures the coming spirit was associated with the last days when all would have access to God's power all would have access to his calling and his gifts, uh, as Peter later on in this chapter will refer to Joel chapter two, we'll look at that next week. So this is this is the way, and it's helpful to look at it this way, uh, as they would through Old Testament lenses. So so the the coming of the Spirit would have been associated with the Spirit that was with Moses and with Jeremiah and Isaiah and Deborah and Miriam that the Spirit that empowered those people will one day come to everyone. Also, I think it's important to note a little, little background and context here, that without the Holy Spirit, the church cannot continue the mission of Jesus in the world. We're going to see that clearly through the book of Acts. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 12 through 26, the 11 apostles, which we didn't read last week, we're not going to look at, Today, But you need to know that in that, that passage there, the 11 apostles together with 120 believers gather in the upper room to pray and to seek God as they wait on the power that he promised. What you read about there in Acts 1, 12 through 16 is how the the disciples come together in the upper room, the place where Jesus shared the Passover meal with them. And it obviously had been there before and we'll, disciples will continue to, to come here. Uh, that while they're praying, they're waiting and they're praying. You see, and as they do this, the Holy Spirit appears to lead them in replacing an apostle that is now missing. You remember Judas, who had taken his own life after betraying Jesus, and they feel led by this Spirit to replace Judas as the as the twelfth apostle, who become the leaders of the early church. So our focus today is this what happened in the upper room here in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 13 to start with what happened and why is this event significant in the life of the church why do we recognize Pentecost Sunday you know this is the birthday of the church happy birthday church but why still do we recognize it as such and what happened then And what does this all mean for the church today? So that's what I want us to to look at today. If you have your Bible, I'm going to now read and unpack verse by verse uh, from the New International Version. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. And if you have some notes, uh, something to take notes with, that would probably be a good idea as well. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost is Greek for 50th. This is 50 days after Passover. Remember, Passover was when Jesus shared the Last Supper with his disciples. And then he ascended to the Father on day 40. Ten days later, here we go. They're waiting in Jerusalem on Pentecost. Pentecost is also known in the Old Testament as the Feast of Weeks, or the, uh, a feast of, or, or the Day of first fruits. That's because they brought the wheat harvest in during this time, which may explain why this is the highest uh, attended festival, we believe, of the three major festivals, Passover, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, as well as the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. It's a nice time of year for pilgrimages. And so if good, faithful, religious Jews, uh, if they can't make all of them, they'll probably make this one. Now, I think it's also important to note that this is the commemorative feast for when Moses gave the law to the Hebrew people in the wilderness on Mount Sinai. That's important, I think, because God is very intentional with how he does things, as we'll see, I think, today, that he gives the spirit to his people in place of giving the law to the people. Very telling. It says they were all together. Now, who are we talking about? We, we know we're talking about the apostles, uh, but probably the 120 people that were mentioned there in chapter 1. Uh, They're likely in the upper room, the same place Jesus shared the Last Supper with them. It seems to be a larger space. It could be even a rented out space, a rented hall for it to contain this many people. Uh, There is a historic site in Jerusalem. Take a look at this picture. Uh, You'll see now the structure itself is 14th century. Uh, It's believed the Crusaders redid this on on the original site. It's a multi-layered building, as you see, and And the room itself, the upper room, is on top of the tomb of King David. I think that comes back up later in this chapter. Peter is going to make a reference to the spirit of David still being with them. I think he's referring to this. So uh, the upper room, a space large enough here uh, to hold this kind of gathering and for what what God is about to do through the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 2. It says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. It says, like the blowing of a violent wind. It wasn't actual wind, but it was like the, the blowing of a violent wind. And it came from heaven. Now, think of heaven as God's space, another dimension that Jesus and his resurrected body slipped in and out of, appeared and disappeared. So it was as if this wind just came out of nowhere. Now, if you're looking at this through Old Testament lenses and understanding this as through Second Temple Judaism, you immediately would be thinking wind, ruach of God that hovered over the waters in Genesis, the creative energizing force that uh, filled the prophets and kings and, and so forth. This is the same spirit that is now at work in this new way. Uh, it's also the spirit that swept through the valley of dry bones in Ezekiel 37. This is the spirit. As Peter will say in the next chapter, again, referring to Joel, the spirit that was promised for everyone. Now, Jesus said the coming of the kingdom would be like this wind in conversation with Nicodemus, you remember. Now, what is happening is definitely to be understood as supernatural. That's the point here with this language. This is what they've been promised. The same with this next bit, verse 3. They saw what seemed to be, so it was like wind, and it seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And it may make you think of Luke chapter three, verse sixteen and seventeen, where John the Baptist said the Messiah the Messiah would baptize with wind and fire. This is the manifestation of the Spirit here is visible and and audible. Also, the fire fire in the Old Testament represented the power and the presence of God. So, whether we're talking about the fire by night, which led the people of 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 Israel through the wilderness or the burning bush that appeared to Moses. Uh, fire is, is symbolic of that, the presence and power of God, as well as of judgment and of purification. You may know this hymn, uh, Charles Wesley's hymn, O Thou Camest from Above, and this line, these words, the pure celestial fire to impart. Luke says, it came to rest on each of them. That is, and this indicates, that every follower of Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. Isn't that good? Look at verse 4. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what's going on here? Now, let's first look at this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 3, it seems to indicate an initial baptism of the Holy Spirit, and in verse 4 implies that there is a feeling that is repeatable for the carrying out of effective ministry, which we will See throughout the book of Acts where people have had the Spirit are once again filled with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way to carry out certain tasks for the Lord. Important for us to keep in mind for today. Now let's look again. Verse 4, speak in other tongues. It is they spoke in different languages. Now this isn't the time and place for me at the moment to talk about the issue of speaking in tongues, but I do want to just clarify what this is all about here in the book of Acts. For them to speak in different languages. These are different known languages. Now, was this a miracle of the tongue or the miracle of the ear? There's some de- debate about that. It was, was this the ability to actually speak other languages or for uh, the people that were there to hear it in their language? Or maybe it's both. We're not, again, not entirely sure, but it's important to note that speaking in tongues and acts, listen to this, speaking in tongues and acts was always a sign That the gospel had overcome another ethnic and geographical boundary. That is, the spirit was breaking through worldly obstacles and worldly divides. I think about uh, the United Nations. I've sometimes seen this on TV. Maybe you have too. So all of these folks sitting around and trying to do business with each other, the business of the world, and and they can't understand each other's languages, so they have to wear these headsets. Well, no headsets needed here, because when the Holy Spirit comes and there's a speaking of tongues in the book of Acts, it is symbolizing there's no boundaries or borders that will stop the the going out of the Spirit into the world, the, the furtherance of the kingdom, the proclamation of the gospel. Now, something else I want you to notice here is what we have happening at Pentecost is a reversal of the Tower of Babel. You remember the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, 1 through 9? Uh, This this tower that the people were building up to heaven as a way of saying, we are gods, we don't need the God of creation. Look how great we are uh, trying to put themselves in the place of God. And of course, God wasn't down with that. We can't have this. Uh, only I am God and, and you are not, right? It's good for us to be reminded of this from time to time. A symbol, this is a symbol then of the reunification of humanity. That's what Pentecost is. It is God drawing men and women from every nation to his king and to his kingdom. Isn't that good? A reversal of the Tower of Babel. Verse 5 through 8. If we looked at those, let's just look at those in one, one swoop here. Now, they were, they were staying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And they were utterly amazed. They asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, God fearing Jews from every nation were in town, is what Luke says. They were amazed and confused about what they were seeing and hearing. Of course they would. Uh, now, literally, it doesn't seem that Luke has in mind every nation, which I'll show you in just a minute. But the, the idea is that this is a broad representation of folks from all over the empire. They're in town here. And they're they're amazed at what they're seeing and hearing because, look, they're Galileans. This is the first time in the New Testament that we see that Galileans... Uh, have this reputation for not being very educated you know they're like I don't know rednecks you know maybe of the ancient world and uh, they certainly would have had a certain accent or the way that they spoke so even as they are speaking different languages there you can't shake the accent you know it's like it's like my wife and her Texas accent you can hear it in my uh, voice every now and then so they recognize they're, Gal- they're Galileans of all people in verse 9 through 11, let's look there. Uh, it says there were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. Look, look at this map here. You'll see th- all of the folks that were there come f- across the entire empire. And it says, we hear them declaring the wonders of God— In our own tongues. Wow. What is happening here, folks, is the promise of Jesus is being fulfilled. These folks are amazed and perplexed. They recognize that this is significant, but notice they are unsure of its meaning. What, verse 12, what does this mean? And verse 13 ends with this, ah, they just had too much wine. (laughs) A reminder that the Spirit's activity uh, is often scoffed at by those who've not been baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's never lose sight of that, folks, that the things of the Spirit will at times look that way to the world, right? Right? Well, next week we're going to see where Peter responds to in a very spontaneous, powerful way by preaching a sermon and explaining uh, what they are witnessing and uh, the specific charge of them being drunk. So, come back next week, we'll look at that. Well, let's return to our focus questions and think about what we've just read here and, and what we've considered together. What happened? Why is this significant? And what does it mean for us today? First, the what. what. What happened? Christ sent the Holy Spirit. That's what happened. He sent the advocate. He sent the, the helper. He sent the power that he told us in the Gospels, that he told us in Acts 1.8, right, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. That is happening. That's what happened. Why is it significant? It's because we've been given the power to live like Christ and carry out his mission. He didn't just leave us alone. He said, when I go away, I'm going to give you something better. Now think about that. How many times have you and I thought if Jesus would just appear at the end of my bed, if Jesus would just appear with me, uh, you know, in my, in my house, in my living room, I can have a conversation with him and things would just go so much better that way. I mean, we've all thought that. i thought that many times. But Jesus says, what is actually better is if I can come to you in this way, all right? So this is the spirit of Jesus being able to come to everyone, tongues of fire, on everyone who will receive him. And this way, if we'll, if we'll be courageous enough to explore it, is better. And that's what the book of Acts is about. <clears throat> that's what it's about. And without this Spirit, we can't carry out the mission of God. We can't obey the teachings of Jesus. And so how many times you've heard people maybe scoff at the teachings of Jesus? Well, who can actually live like that? Well, that's the flesh talking, not the Spirit. I mean, in the flesh, yeah, right, nobody can. But with the Holy Spirit, we can be faithful in obedience to Christ's commands and do what he's called us to do. What may seem impossible to to human beings is not impossible with God. And with us, since we've been given his spirit. Now, what does all this mean today? It means we, as I said, need the spirit. That is the initial conversion. We don't just need to come to church and follow some religious patterns, but we actually have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Have you had that conversion experience? You know, not just you just grew up in the church and your grandma was a Christian. No, but you can actually say there's this moment where the Lord regenerated my heart, where I became born again. I had a, an experience with the Holy Spirit. That's what I think it means today. But it also means that we are continually to be filled with the Holy Spirit at various times in our life and at various seasons in our life. And in other words, in other words, past experiences aren't enough. Folks, stop saying you remember when. You remember those good old days all oh, that was if we could just get back to that quit living in the past the, the Lord is moving us into his good future and one of the messages that I think that we should get from Pentecost is that the filling of the Spirit is available to all as we continue to follow Jesus together and that is that we should be welcoming new experiences not looking back in the rearview mirror all the time sure to learn some things sure to celebrate those things but to look ahead to what the Spirit wants to do today and, and do in the future. It also says to us that we need the Spirit, that our own intellect and our own ingenuity isn't enough. We've got some smart people in Grantham Church, don't we? I, I believe that. But that's not enough. Putting our heads together isn't enough. We've got to put our hearts together and hearts that are filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we need the Holy Spirit to get through these times, amen, to get through what we've been through this year, and we will, but we've got to quit our stinking thinking and get a checkup from the NECA. <laughs> we we, we got to realize that without the Spirit, we are all dead in the water. We need the Holy Spirit's wisdom, the Holy Spirit's guidance, the Holy Spirit is an advocate, the Holy Spirit's power to be the church that Christ has called us to be, amen and hallelujah. That is what I think it means for us today. What does this look like? What does it look like? Let's Listen to this quote from N.T. Wright. I like this. This is from his Acts for Everyone commentary. He said, what the Spirit will do when he comes is anybody's guess. Uh-oh. <laughs> Be prepared for wind and fire, for some fairly drastic spring cleaning of the dust and cold rooms of one's life. But we should not doubt that God will give his spirit to all who seek him and that the form and direction that any particular spirit-led life will take will be the one that will enable that person uniquely to bring glory to God. Ah, that's good. Think about that. What does that mean for you? I know we can get a little nervous when we say it's the spirit that's leading us, but folks, The message of Pentecost is for you to be okay with that more than your own thinking and your own ingenuity and intellect. Message we need to hear. Finally, here's some other takeaways as we begin to close. I think here's a takeaway. The work of the Spirit looks like overcoming boundaries, divisions, and factions in the church, in our community, in our culture that what we see happening on Pentecost is that when the Holy Spirit is at work, and not just the work of people, but the work of the Spirit in God's people, that we will overcome divisions, boundaries, borders, factions, and the like. That is a test, right? If the Spirit is at work among us. Now think about what's going on in our society culture right now. The divisions, the, the, the boundaries, the borders, the factions. You know what I'm talking about. It is the Holy Spirit that we need. It is the Holy Spirit that is to be at work in the church in these ways. And so when we see things that work in the church, whether it's because of partisan politics or because of things that are happening in the church that we don't necessarily like or agree with or not sure even what's going on, that can can cause us to act in the flesh, well, we have clear evidence there that this is not the work of the Holy Spirit. Also, I think a takeaway would be that the Spirit alone can bring renewal, insight, new life, as well as mobilize the church and open up new horizons for ministry. You see, when the Spirit is at work, there are visible signs. There are visible signs. Think about that. And then lastly, the last takeaway is this. I like what St. Teresa of Avila said, she said, Christ has no body on earth but yours. Christ has no body on earth but yours. This is what Pentecost is about, brothers and sisters. Jesus has left us physically, but he's given us his spirit that we would be his hands and his feet, his mouth, and his body to move in the earth to continue the work of the kingdom and to bless others in his name. The invitation this morning is, will you hear this word of the Lord to you, this message about the Holy Spirit? If you've never had that initial initial conversion experience, that baptism in the Spirit, and you've just been playing along, you know, you, you, you've just been doing the church thing uh, or, or maybe there's something about it where you just you know you, you like a sense of belonging and, and power and, and some and influence maybe but you've never experienced the Holy Spirit I encourage you to invite you to do that today to accept Christ in your life or maybe you're at a point in your life where you need a feeling of the Holy Spirit you need another feeling you need to quit looking at the past you need to heal. You need to forgive. And you need to move on. Uh, or, or, or say, you know what? The best is yet to come. And that we would go about doing that in a way where when we look back, we'd say, surely, surely the wind of the Spirit is blowing in our church. This is not the work of human beings. It is the work of God. I've shared this Uh, you know, analogy with you before. It's a story I heard of a Chinese missionary who left China, came to the U.S., and then returned. And they asked him there, the Chinese church, they said, what impressed you most about the church in America? What's God doing there? He said, well, I have to say what they can do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that that wouldn't be said of us, church, Instead, the testimony would be that we are a people that are totally dependent upon God's Spirit to guide us into his good future, to lead others to Jesus, to make disciples, and to bring the kingdom where we live. I invite you to join me in prayer now as we ask God to do that through us and make that our story. Let's do that. Father. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts even now. That if someone has never accepted you, they would do that today. They would be baptized in the Holy Spirit and filled with your Holy Spirit. Empowered to overcome the obstacles that are before them. to, To repent of their sins, to throw off what hinders them. And to become the fully flourishing human beings that you've created us to be that always looks like Jesus. Father, for some of us we've been Christians for a long time, we have the Holy Spirit, but we need a new feeling. Lord, with your with your holy water, pour into us, our hearts, our vessel, and do something new. Restore the joy of our salvation. Give us insight and vision and an excitement for the time that we live in. Yes even for such a time as this. Lord, we need you. Holy Spirit, convict us of sin. sin. Comfort us where we need to be comforted. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Your servants are listening. We want to do your will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray.